Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to It's Rainmaking Time. This is Kim Greenhouse. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Reverend Mary Hardy, who was a writer, teacher, herbalist, and servant in the process of bringing a new consciousness to the planet. She has a doctorate in homeopathy from the Missouri College of Naturopathic Physicians and a BA in education from Western Michigan University. And she is the author of two books, The Alchemist's Handbook to Homeopathy and Pyramid Energy, The Philosophy of God, The Science of Man. Today we're going to talk about the pyramids. We're going to talk about homeopathy, about aromatherapy, and it gives me great pleasure to welcome Reverend Mary Hardy to its rainmaking time. Welcome to the show, Mary. Thank you. You're a young living oil representative. Talk a little bit about the olfactory area and what we need to know about it. Well, it's time man begin to graduate, and we have five senses. The sense that's less studied is a sense of smell. But the sense of smell will take us into the higher planes of consciousness by there's a, a gland that's not really talked about much. It's the amygdala gland, which is hooked to the olfactory bulbs, and it has two parts, the anterior and the posterior. By act, 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 activating the anterior part, you can shoot to the frontal lobes of your brain and transcend time, space, energy, and matter. This is the importance of smell. And and to activate the smell, one has to have pure essential oils. Now, Dr. Young, who founded Young Living Essential Oils, was initiated in the Great Pyramid the same way we are. And he was told by the masters of the planet to bring pure essential oils to the people so this uh, could happen, so mankind could graduate through smell. Some people have said that smell is subconscious as well. Do you agree with that? I haven't really looked into it, but I imagine it could be, yes. And that we're constantly responding to smell even if we don't know it. Well, there's two parts to the body. Um, there is, uh, to actu- actu- activate the heart chakra, we have two brains. We have the physical brain, which operates on the neurons, and we have a glia brain. And if you go to the uh, computer and type in glia brain, you'll get almost two million hits. And the glia brain is the covering of all the nerves and the brain itself. And when we're floating around in our mother's tummy, we work, we act, we actually function on the glia brain because you don't need to breathe air. So all the yogis, when they shut off their breath, they actually are activating the glia brain. And by activating the glia brain, they can go into higher dimensions. And the glia brain is really the heart chakra is the control panel for the glia brain. Interesting. And and that's why you have other control panels for the glia brain. When you walk into a room and suddenly get a gut reaction, your glia brain from the stomach remembers old patterns, and that is how the glia brain reacts. Now, I don't think they've done much studying, but this is all in the realm of smell. 
You know what? Lately, there's been a lot of articles and publications about the gut brain, and I think that's what you mean, right? The glia brain is the gut brain? Well, that could be. Uh, I know when I walk into a room and I smell something that's unpleasant, I get a gut reaction, and it's the smell that gives me that gut reaction. Actually, work through the heart chakra is where we have to start working through. You have to access the glia brain. How long do you think this has been known by those who know? I have no idea. I know the yogis know about it. They have to because when they shut off their breathing and are buried alive for three or four days, they have to know how to access their glia brain. And in that way, they can travel time, space, energy, and matter. They can function outside their bodies. We have a lot of evidence now from the military remote viewing programs that time and space are definitely not what we thought they were, that we're not limited to time and space at all, and that we're not our bodies. Isn't that fascinating? Well, it's fascinating to me, and smell is a very important uh, part, and it's the fifth sense, but it's never really been, uh, how do I say, studied. I mean, most people think the fifth sense is, is just, but I think it could be if we learned how to use it, the most important sense, because it takes us through the olfactory valves, which has little hair-like antenna systems that go to every cell in our body because it connects through the glia brain, and the glia brain, once is attached to the whole, every cell in the body. When you put a drop of oil on your wrist, like a drop of garlic oil, yes. or you step on a garlic button, in less than 30 seconds you can taste it in your mouth. That simply, that oil has influenced the glia brain and travels via the whole body. So that's how... how um, it's an antenna system that, that can take you into time, space, energy, and matter. And there was a man that was in Patton's army called TDA Lingo. He studied the glia brain. There's a lot of research. If you look up Neil Slade or TDA Lingo, they talk about how mankind could access time, space, energy, and matter and actually bring about healing to the whole planet. And that is through the sense of smell, too. Isn't that interesting that Patton was on to this? What do you think he tried to do well, with it? TDA Lingo was a forward observer in Patton's army. And he went to uh, five universities and asked why man was so inhumane to man. And a person in Chicago University said, tapped his forehead. And then he started the research and that's what he came up with, is learning how to activate uh, uh, the glia brain, or entering the frontal lobes by the sense of smell. You take in the smell. He said, click your way to happiness. You breathe smell, breathe a pure oil in. It's better if you breathe a pure oil. Neil Slade says you don't have to, you can breathe garbage, but it still has a frequency. You breathe a f f pure oil like rose oil, which is 320 hertz, and you breathe that in and you force it into your front. Just imagine it going right into your frontal lobes, and then you can begin to access time, space, 
and energy and matter. And when you say access time, space, energy, and matter, what does that mean? It means you can transcend time. You can go outside your body and do whatever you need to do. This is what TDA lingo taught people. I have not really achieved it. I try to by smelling the oil and clicking my way into happiness because the amygdala gland has two parts. The posterior part has recorded all your, your frequency from trauma, drama, and the anterior part, which takes you into the frontal lobes, has recorded all your happiness. So that's why it's important to... You, sometimes you don't have to understand your karma and your drama through the posterior part. You click yourself into the... Just imagine going into the frontal lobes and going anywhere in the universe you want to go. And imagination is 95% of what we do. Sounds great. Yep. Talk about the actual use of the oils and how do you know what client needs what oil or what would be better for them or how does it work? Well, oils are made up from basic herbs. You know, you have the rose oil. Uh, in the Bible, you had the go- uh, frankincense and myrrh. And frankincense and myrrh, uh, there, there are certain uh, chemicals or constituents in the oils that will help you transcend the suscoterpenes. They're called suscoterpenes. Transcend uh, the blood-brain barrier. So if you needed to work on something like that, you would take an oil that dealt with frankincense or myrrh. Lavender has a, a, a small part of the of the uh, suscoterpenes in it, so that would help you a lot. But basically, most of them are herbs. Juniper works on the kidneys. Cypress works on circulation. Um, I'm sorry, my grandfather clock. The clock sounds great. Not to worry. <laughs> okay. So if you wanted to strengthen your bones, you would use uh, wintergreen. You know, when I was a kid, I used uh, Dr. Denton's toothpaste powder, and it was made up from birch oil, which will actually help grow calcium and help strengthen bones. If you wanted to strengthen your nerves, you could use peppermint, peppermint tea, uh, and one drop of pure peppermint oil is like 32 cups of peppermint tea. So that's how concentrated Dr. Young's oils are. I would be glad to help anybody learn how to use the oils if they wanted to contact me. Same thing, usually what, what you have in herbs you can use as a reason for um, what you would use the oils for. Now, we are set up so when you sign up for, it's a multi-level marketing, when you sign up, you get, get the everyday oils. And the everyday oils has a little booklet of how you can use those oils for first aid. Like if you burn yourself, you use lavender. You know, if you have a tummy ache, you use peppermint and so on. So uh, we have a special oil called Thieves. And Thieves oil takes care of the mold. Uh, Dr. Young's little son, they had mold in the basement, and he crawled around on the carpet. And they put him in the hospital, and uh, he actually... They, they, they didn't know what was the matter with him. They were going to tap him for meningitis. 
Doc took his his uh, microscope in, showed them that he had mold in his bloodstream uh, with a live cell microscope, and then he they he so they released him to the doctor's care. He went and bought a, a kid's enema, put the equivalent of what thieves oil was in, and in two days the child, or two or three days the child had gotten rid of the mold in his bloodstream. Wow. Through That's the oil. powerful. But you see, if you go through the bowel uh, instead of the mouth, things get picked up ten times faster than they do. So actually, they really sent his child home to die because the hospital didn't know what to do with it. And he just went and got a kid's enema thing, filled it up with the oils that he then has created as thieves. And you see the, the word thieves oil, during the plagues in Europe... There were certain perfumers that made up certain oils, like, are you going to Star Barrel's Fair, My Sweet Parsley, Rosemary, and Thyme? Those were the oils that they used in a little pouch around their neck, herbs, and oiled their bodies with those so they could go rob the graves. And that's why they call it the thieves' oil, because they protected themselves by using the thieves' oil from the plague. And the same is true today. If you worry about different things like in the air, bacteria in the air, we you can diffuse these. I work with small children, and when I was working with people who had children in, that lived in a trailer, there was a lot of formaldehyde in the trailer. And uh, if you diffused eucalyptus oil, it would knock the formaldehyde out of the air, and the kids would get rid of their respiratory problems because what was giving them their respiratory problems was the fumes from the trailer. How interesting. So there are a lot a lot of uses for the oils uh, anyway. It's, it's very important in this day and age. And the oils were really the first medicine, but the ba- biggest thing is they can activate the amygdala gland and go to the anterior part of the amygdala gland and shoot you into your frontal lobes so that you really can begin to use your brain to heal the planet and to graduate. And now you want to talk about pyramids. Pyramids are antennas into the grid, and in 1968, my husband and I were picked up by the Melchizedek Order, which I would say were planetary elders. Uh, basically, the one that works with us is Brother John. A lot of people might say he was Katumi, but I think he was the author of Revelations. And he told us that if we wanted to keep our then three-year-old child, which his name is John, we had to build a pyramid. And so we discussed this. This was, And we had to build it before he was 10 years old. I just want to go back to one part for the audience, Mary. When you say you were picked up, what do you mean? Well, we stopped along the side of the road to let the boys go to the bathroom. Now, it was about 7 o'clock at night, and we live in Michigan. It was just getting dusk. We don't really know what time it was, but it wasn't dark yet. And if you – it's just getting dusk, and that's about between 6 – 45 and 7:15, and we stopped along and dean got out of the car my husband dean got out of the car with my two sons mark and john and they went out in a cornfield because they had to go to the bathroom now 
I was stayed in the car, and when they got back in the car, I had gone to sleep or something. And when I got back in the car, I was looking at the moon, and my se- I said, what happened? The moon was over there, and now the moon is over here. I just didn't know. There was a lot of strange things that happened. So when we pulled into the next town, it now was almost 11 o'clock. And back at that time, we needed gas, and uh, they were rolling in the tires. But we were also going to take the boys to a Dairy Queen, and they had been closed for 45 minutes. So we only allowed ourselves for a long time to assume that we had just lost 45 minutes of time. But then we went back to the gas station because we knew we were closing and we needed gas. And he said, well, we always lock up and close it at 11 o'clock at night. So we had lost at least three and a half, four hours of time. And during that time, we were shown what we needed to do. And what we needed to do was build my son a pyramid. And why did we have to build a pyramid? Because at Sawyer Air Force Base in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, they were putting in a huge antenna system to operate Seafair. Seafair is where they didn't want the uh, submarines to surface, so they were going to pulse Mother Earth's grid. That's like our nervous system so that they could send signals underground. Now, my friend worked as a computer person. My friend's husband worked as a computer person at Sawyer Air Force Base, and he would get into an elevator and go seven or eight floors down below to work on these computers. But you have to realize that this antenna system, they wrapped around the wires around and connected to Mother Earth's grid in the Upper Peninsula. In the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, there are large quantities of copper, and the two broadcasting antennas for this system are the CN Tower in Toronto and the Space Needle in Seattle. So you can see this is a huge antenna system. We were required to build our pyramid in 1975 before that totally went online. And the person who helped us design the pyramid, we built it as an raised orgone box. So we built it as an orgone uh, antenna and what Kenneth Killick told us at the time is that when we did that, we stopped the abnormalities in the Bermuda Triangle. After we put up our system, you have no longer seen any abnormalities in the Bermuda Triangle. Because there was a Great Lakes Triangle as well as the Bermuda Triangle, we were stationed in Allegan, Michigan, right between those two abnormality-generating vortexes. So we balanced our, balanced them out so that you no longer had abnormalities. And that allowed us to work the whole grid. So when they went online, we have, our antenna system has the ability to function through the whole grid. So, and you can access our antenna system simply by making a simple little vortex, like the Holy Grail vortex that we have, uh, and You can go anywhere on the planet, access this vortex, and uh, shut down uh, virtually tornadoes, hurricanes. All of these things are vortexes. And you actually can minimize their power by creating a vortex um, 
one time we had a party out at our house, and there was over 150 people here. And it was we were under tents, and it was raining, and a neighbor came running over and says, you've got to take cover. Allegan County is under a severe tornado watch, and if you look at the screen on the TV, you've got a tornado coming right towards us. And so we did the Holy Grail Vortex, and uh, Terry DeVere, DeVore, anyway, the weather lady was um, watching it, and my husband was watching it in the living room here with a lot of other people, and uh, he suddenly saw a yellow vortex come up out of where we were and gobble up the tornado, or the vortex that the tornado was making, and uh, when she came back on air, she had her paper down and she says, uh, 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 there was a tornado there less than five, two minutes ago, and it's gone now. And you actually could see on radar the huge vortex that we made here that went on up and gobbled up the vortex that... Uh, was on the screen that was the tornado that was heading towards us. And I don't know what year that was, but it was probably 2005 or 2006. I would imagine you would need to be local to where the tornado is in order to affect it, correct? There is a law that has been given to us by our Creator, and it is my perfect love for you, my creation, is your perfect freedom. Unless we're asked, we cannot interfere. So, yes, unless you're being directly uh, affected by it, I would say that we can go anywhere with our minds and put a vortex anywhere we want. But unless you're directly affected by it, we cannot interfere. If you do interfere, you've got a, a large karmic debt to pay. Uh, when I first started doing vortexes way back Oh, I would say in 1985, um, because we built the pyramids in 75, uh, there was a huge, I don't know, I spoke at, at Global Sciences, and some people from Oklahoma, I taught them how to make the Holy Grail Vortex. And during that huge uh, hurricane, uh, tornado that went through Oklahoma, I don't know what year it was, but it was a big one. It was one of the bigger ones. They actually went to their homes. They were away from their homes, uh, one lady told me, but she built a vortex right in the middle of her house, and she said most of the houses on her street were destroyed. However, her house, the windows, a couple windows were blown out and off, and some of the tiles on the roof were blown off, but the house basically was structurally strong. So when you are referring to this vortex, the Holy Grail vortex that you create, are you creating it inside the pyramid that you set up? The way you create the Holy Grail vortex is, first of all, you use the great invocation. And it's interesting, Hilarion, who is one of the Syrian commanders that uh, we work with, um, you get on his website, and his website um, uh, uh, his website. Is, let me just let me just look it up here. The website is www.therainbowscribe.com, 
he actually said before in April, before a lot of these hurricanes or tornadoes started coming across, you needed to say the um, the great invocation nine times during the day. And as you do that, uh, because of what we've done with our antenna system, it creates little vortexes all over and helps balance um, the energy flow throughout the whole planet. One of the reasons why these um, tornadoes are so violent is because the spin factor in the Gulf of Mexico, due to the oil, has been slowed down. When you say the spin factor, what do you mean? Well, water flows in vortexes. Weather flows in vortexes. And it all flows on frequency. So when you alter the frequency within the spin factor of any of these uh, water vortexes, if you look at the at the Gulf of Mexico, it is turning in a vortex. If you look at high and low pressures, they are turning in vortexes. And when you monkey with it and slow one of those major vortexes down, you get another violent vortex spinning off of it. And I say that's why we are getting these violent tornadoes coming across. Now, what Hilarion suggested is that we repeat the Great Invocation, which was what Doug Hammarskjöld, when he was Secretary of the UN, uh, used to have a little study group, and, and Alice Bailey and, and the Lucas Foundation gave him the Great Invocation to repeat, and that is, from the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into the minds of men, may light descend on earth. That's the first part. The second part is from the point of love within the heart of God. Let love stream forth into the hearts of men. May Christ return to earth. The third part is from the center where the will of God is known. Let purpose guide the little wills of men, the purpose that the masters know and serve. And the fourth part is from the center which is called the race of man. Let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the doors where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth that's pretty now in his april uh in the april website he said that we were people that wanted to uh help heal help heal the grid they were to repeat that nine times a day and of course those of us who use the holy grail vortex by repeating it nine times a day could help lessen the pressure in any of the faults, like the Andreas Fault or the New Madrid Fault. You can release those, putting little acupressure points all over and just releasing the pressure because intent of what we do is 95% of what we do. Yes, indeed. And so if, and you cannot say the Holy Grail Vortex without first getting permission from Mother Earth and permission from all the powers that be from the God creator, and then saying with no harm to anyone. If you don't have permission and you don't, and you don't have it cut off so there's no harm to anyone, then if you do it, then you get all that karmic debt back on you. And I don't want to do that. Now, when, when I do the Holy Grail Vortex, you can imagine a circle of, a pinpoint of circle, and we usually use the sword and the cup. The sword would be like a high pressure, and the cup would be like a low pressure. 
coming down and splashing out into a cup. And the sword would be taking that energy back up a high pressure. Now, low pressures make a counterclockwise vortex, and a high pressure makes a clockwise vortex. So just imagine if you went to a church steeple, right? that would be a sword. The resonating chamber inside the church would be a cup. Can you see that? Yes. Okay, so you go to the church steeple, and you say, from the point of light within the mind of God, and you make that a counterclockwise vortex because you're bringing the energy down. And then you you say, from the point of love, you still bring it down. But you go to the very pinpoint of the church steeple, and then you go out to the outside of the church steeple, and you're making two vortexes. Why we make two vortexes is simply because it's important. I don't know how to tune that vortex, but I call on the fairies and divas. I call on the whales and the dolphins. I call on on the, the dancing shamans. I call on the space people. I call on the Knights Templar who built these big cathedrals. I call on all the dimensionals that are willing to help me do this work. I have a quick question here. Okay. Why not just go to Jesus Direct? Well, Jesus Direct would be fine, but he's one individual. Kind of like you're calling on the galactic board of directors and galactic beings, if you will. If that's who you want to work with, you could call on Jesus Direct. Through my experiences, I have been working with the fairies and divas for certain things. I have been working with the Knights Templars. I have been working with, with basically Hilarion, who gave me this, probably. I've been working with Brother John, who is who is, uh, I feel, is the author of Revelations. Uh, Some people call him Katumi. Some people say he was St. Francis. I'm calling on all of them, you know, everybody. But if a person's just comfortable on calling on Jesus... Well, I just wanted to throw that out there. Some people may call on Buddha, and I just wanted to find out where you were at with that. Well, they're all dimensionals, and they're all sacred beings who wish to help save this planet. This is a planet of free will. We can either take responsibility and use the God-given powers that we have been given. And you remember, Jesus said, these and greater things you can do also. Right. We have a network in our bodies which can generate vortexes. We can use those vortexes if we have permission from Mother Earth, from from whoever we wish to work on, uh, now, if I want to make my neighbors shut up because they have a loud party, uh, I really don't have the right to go over there, create the Holy Grail vortex, and say, I want peace and quiet, uh, because that's not in their best interest, and we have to have free will. That's why if a tornado's coming into, uh, say, Joplin, I don't have the right to go to Joplin and stop it, uh, I because... Uh, but if somebody called me up from Joplin and said, would you assist me in doing the Holy Grail Vortex, then we can do that. Because this is a planet of free will. And you must follow those laws. What happened to me, a lot of where I got this from, is in 1996, I was standing in southern France in the middle of Cathar country 
at a place called Rinless Chateau. And by going through that area, there had been a lot of people murdered because the Catholic Church did a, the only crusade in Europe where they actually killed thousands of people in, in uh, Carcassonne and Toulouse and all of these cities where the Cathars were. And as we went through that area, there were um, many, many discarnates. And, of course, you had the Second World War and the First World War. And as our little bus went through, we picked up people that were dead that had gone to the other side. So when we got to this hotel up near the Pyrenees, and the the Knights Templar took the word Pyrenees because they took the Ark of the Covenant up to a place near Bar- uh, near uh, in Barcelona and used the Ark of the Covenant to activate the pyramid the Pyrenees Mountains as pyramids. That's why they they took their net that name. And so and then they built their cathedrals to be connected to the Pyrenees Mountains through Mount Bucharest and we were standing near Mount Bucharest, near in Le Chateau, um, not too far from Lemu. And so, anyway, uh, we we were at a hotel, and I was feeling heavy. And every time I shut my eyes, I saw all these faces. And the lady that was my roommate said, you know, Mary, we have connected with almost 1,800 discarnates that are connected to our little group, and they're asking for help. So I got uh, Pat and Richard, which Pat was a clairvoyant who uh, would do readings for the stars. Over They would call her up, and she could do clairvoyant readings. So these were powerful, two powerful people. We went up and made a circle overlooking the Blanchefort Estates and Rinless Chateau. Now, the Blanchefort, Blanchefort was the fourth Grand Master of the Knights Templar. And why we went up there and made a circle, I said, we're going to say a prayer, and we're going to make a vortex and ask that these people be returned to the light. Well, when we went up there and we held hands, the t- 12 Knights Templar that were very high in the order came and made a circle around us, they had were on white or, or white procherons, and they faced in so that their horses were facing us. They looked me in the eyes, we, and they told me to make a vortex and that they would make sure that they would help these discarnates see the light and be taken to the light. And at that point in time, they asked me for their help. And I said, well, I, I had an antenna system because, remember, we were given this antenna system. And also, I had been trained in a former life as a Mary. Now, Mary Magdalene, Mary Jacoby, Mary Salome, that's James and John's mother. Mary was a title that knew how to spin the heart chakra, create a vortex to bring healing to the earth. So in a past life, I was trained as a Mary to do this. And what they wanted my help with is they told me that uh, George Bush Sr. was plotting to 
put a capstone on the Great Pyramid at at the new millennium. Uh, that would be uh, uh, December thirty first, nineteen ninety nine, and. Tony Blair had built a huge dome in the center of, uh, well, on the Greenwich Median Line in London's Harbor, and they were going to transfer the energy from the Great Pyramid via the Eiffel Tower, and that's why they had the rivers run the way they did. They had everything sparkling. They even built these huge eyes, like like uh, the eye of in on London near the river, to send the energy from the Great Pyramid all the way up to the Millennium Dome. If they would have done that, there would have been a huge surge of energy put through the Earth. They wanted to make the largest mind control antenna system on the planet. They planned on doing this at, at, on December 31st, 1999, and that would have created a Y2K. A, it wasn't the computer shutdown. It would have blacked out many of the operating electrical uh, systems on the planet, and that would have created Y2K big time. So they made up a story about about the computer shutdown simply to, to perform the situation, and the Knights Templar came to me in 1996 and wanted me to go all over Europe and make vortexes, uh, like going to the cathedral during the First and Second Wars, the Rockefeller Foundation, that they as the okay, say Chartres Cathedral wasn't bombed out, but other cathedrals were bombed out all over. And when they rebuilt them, they recoded them not to benefit mankind as the Templars had done, but to harm mankind and control mankind. And so, what the Knights Templar asked me to do was to go into these cathedrals, create, be their eyes, create the Holy Grail vortex so that they then could re-over-bless them with a coating that would be more to the coating instead of what the Rockefeller Foundation, had the coating, had put in there. And, you see, if you went to Shark Cathedral, the way the Templars had it set up, and we're getting into tachyon energy because tachyon energy clocks the way a labyrinth clocks. And you walk the labyrinth at Shark Cathedral, you would be shot right up, to Mount Bucharest uh, and go through the 12th dimensional stargate. Now, on many of the labyrinths, they would say the road to Jerusalem. And that is not so surprising because uh, the Melchizedek order lived in Salem. And Jerusalem means New Salem. So they came from Salem. And if you look in the Bible at the very beginning, it talks about the order of Melchizedek coming from Salem. So Jerusalem means, so when you walk the, the labyrinth in Chart Cathedral, you could be shot right up to uh, Mount Bucharest to the 12th dimensional stargate to the frequency where the elders of the planet function at. And you see you're in a resonating chamber, and so I started to talk about the sword and the cup, and these cathedrals are made up like that, so that you could actually walk the labyrinth and then click your into your frontal lobes by walking the tachyon frequency of the labyrinth and then being shot right up to Mount Bucharest. And that's why they used to have on, on the labyrinth the road to Jerusalem 
are they had the uh, what is the town where the, the Jericho was it where the walls came tumbling down the walls of Jericho yes you see what happened is they got the ark of the covenant and they walked around the Jericho seven times and seven days or something like that in the bible i'm not sure but on the seventh day they they stamped their feet and so if you had built imagine like smoke rings a standing wave over jericho and this is what the ark of the covenant did is build a vortex and then everybody stamped their feet what would happen to that huge energy pattern that was built over jericho it collapsed and that's how they collapsed the walls of jericho okay so this is exactly how vortex energy works. And the Ark of the Covenant probably was a vortex generating device. Sounds pretty interesting. It also sounds way out. I mean, a person has to really be open to hear this, the whole composite of what you're saying. I know, saying. I know. And that's why after I went to the, to the Dowsers in, 19, in 2000, after uh, I had gone all over Europe and created these vortex, I tried to explain people about the Holy Grail Vortex and uh, what Y2K was all about. And people actually told me I was totally crazy and they really weren't interested in me coming back and ever speaking at their place again. But then when I went in 2001, uh, there, were seven, there were quite a number of speakers that didn't show up. And everybody came to me and said, uh, Mary, are you planning on speaking this year? And I said, you know, honey, uh, I was told that they didn't want me to speak because I was too far out and I was too political. And so a bunch of people went to Tippy and some of the people of the Dowsers and they said, we want Mary to speak. And so I held a class out on the lawn. And so the next year I went to the Dowsers, they let me speak. That was too far out to say. Nobody had said Y2K was the government planning to put a surge of energy through the earth. But now it's pretty much some people, some TV shows are saying that that's what they planned on doing and that's what Y2K was really all about. So there's obviously tremendous credibility in A, sacred geometry and geomancy and also in this thing of ley lines. Can you talk about ley lines for us a little bit, what they are? Ley lines is, is Mother Earth's nervous system, and that's exactly what they did at Sawyer Air Force Base. They found a way to tune into the ley lines with a computer with electrical system, attach them to the big antennas, one for the Pacific Ocean, which would be the Seattle Space Needle, and one for the uh, Atlantic Ocean, which would be in Toronto at the CN Tower. And if you take a line, and that goes right through Sawyer Air Force Base in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And basically, they learned how to pulse the whole Earth's grid. It would be like somebody attaching a wire to your nervous system and being able to pulse the whole thing, which would not be too smart if you wanted to keep Mother Earth alive, right? Right. So what would you recommend that those of us who are concerned about the implementation of microwave and scalar energy 
into the ionosphere and the atmosphere by governments that decide because they have it, they can use it any way that they want or to enforce their own weathering programs. How would we look at the holy grail vortex of creating that when all this artificialness is also happening around the world? Uh, Fortunately, I believe through the antenna system that we have created by putting up the pyramids, which are attached to all the pyramids, just by repeating the Holy Grail Vortex. And that's what Hilarion said in his transmission through that website that I gave you, which was um, www.therainbowscribe.com. Um, yeah. He suggested that we start saying the Great Invocation. The Great Invocation was given first to Doug Hamishaw, which was a man of peace, to to the UN uh and he was Secretary of State or Secretary of whatever in the, for the UN, and he started a little room where he could meditate, and that was given to that organization at that time. The Great Invocation is from the point of light, from the point of love, and so on. And if I think uh, Hilarion and other uh, elders of the planet, if by repeating that, you actually are calming down the misrepresentation of the vortexes of the energy patterns, and that is why we have been given the Holy Grail vortex, that if if you enough people said it with no harm to anyone and had permission with the intent that they wish to lessen the influence on our environment with that, they wouldn't necessarily have to know how to do the Holy Grail Vortex by creating a ring of four. Um, actually, I think if, if people went on my website, which is www.templeofsakara.com, have you ever been on our website? Absolutely, templeofsakara.com. S-A-K-K-A-R-A is how you spell Sakara. Anyway, I'm sure that there is a, a paper on the Holy Grail Vortex there. People could start doing it, but I think it would, with the intent that they wanted, all they really needed to do was to recite the the great invocation. Because if you're not sure how to do it and haven't been trained to do it, it could be counterproductive to do it. Uh, we do have a seminar at our house the end of July, and we live in Allegan, Michigan. That's halfway between Grand Rapids and Kalamazoo. And basically, we are here to teach people how to use the Holy Grail Vortex and how to uh, create a temple environment and, of course, um, to use the oils to get into the frontal lobes. And I think what has been said, if 2% of the population of the Earth did this, then we could bring in uh, a total frequency of love to Mother Earth, and a lot of the abnormalities and things would cease to happen. But this is a planet of free will, and people have to be willing to know that. Uh, One thing that comes to mind, um, if you ever get picked up by uh, people, by uh, extraterrestrials, they cannot hurt you as long as you say, I have free will, 
and I am a light being, and you cannot touch me. The majority of the time, people don't have the common sense to do that, and they can get hurt. But this is a planet of free will, and that is the law that most of the Heavenly Father's creation has to follow. And we have to be able to state our true intent. Absolutely. I want you to explain something that I've missed about the pyramid that you created already, which is you say it's an electromagnetic antenna that creates standing columnar waves. Yes. What does that mean? Okay, you just used the word scalar. Yes. Bearden. Yes. Who gave us the name scalar waves, went to the person who designed our pyramid, you have to understand electrical engineers don't ex- understand how electricity moves through the wires because it removes, it, it goes in vortex energies. Now, you know what a vortex is, right? I know what I think it is. Well, a vortex is when you flush the toilet, you see a vortex. <laughs> Hurricanes, tornadoes, they're all vortexes. Now, if you want to make a tuned vortex, then you pulse a vortex generator, a pyramid creates a vortex. Uh, to create a tuned vortex, you would create it to pulse. So it would have smoke rings coming up off the top. Can you see that? I can see that. That is what Kenneth Kelly called a standing wave. See, it? it's a standing wave. Every time Dean and I in the 80s used to go talk for the United States Psychotronics Convention, and Bearden also talked at the uh, USPA, which is United States Psychotronics. And every time he would there, he and his wife, Dorothy, would always ask us how Kenneth Killick was. Guess where Bearden got the idea for scalar waves from Kenneth Killick? Wow. That completes a lot of things. (laughs) So now we're talking scalar waves. Scalar waves are waves that pulse in a scale. If you look at uh, any of the swords, uh, which is a tuned obelisk, or a pyramid, which is a tuned tank antenna, they all pulse. All your antennas pulse. And that's how they transcend. Your, Your vortexes, your weather patterns, they all pulse. And that's where frequency comes in. Now, as I said to you, when we create the Holy Grail vortex, we create, first of all, two counterclockwise vortexes from the point of light and from the point of love. And just say you got a a point out in the middle of your yard. So you take that point in the middle of the yard and you, you create a counterclockwise vortex, which brings in energy, spinning energy in a counterclockwise way. You go out three feet from that and create a second vortex, which is also counterclockwise. Now what we ask with those two spinning counterclockwise vortexes, we ask that whoever we're working with, um, the fairies and the divas, the whales and the dolphins, um, the dancing shamans, the templars, we ask that they create the proper pulsing or the proper frequency within that. I'm not smart enough to do that. The dimensionals can do that for you. Then you come out to about 12 feet from that point. Now, can you imagine creating a cup of energy 
Now, reversing the vortex, when you say, from the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide the little wills of men. Now you have a pulsing vortex with frequency coming in, and you have now a clockwise vortex, which creates a cup. So you've got energy coming in, creating a cup to go up. And then you say, from the center where the will of, from the center which is called the race of man, let the plan of love and light work out. Now you've got a sword and a cup effect, all tuned by the dimensionals. And now you've got a pulsing vortex, which if you wanted to shut a, a tornado down or lessen it, you could slink that energy over to it and ask that it be dissipated. Can you see that? Yes. But the distinction, for example, between, as you're describing, scalar and where it came from, when I said it, I meant it more like it being technologically being used to control and alter weather around the world. That's how I meant it. What are we doing with a, with a standing wave? It's a scalar wave also. We've just created a scalar wave. There's no difference. Okay. It's the same thing. And as where somebody like Bearden, who was a mathematician, could actually go out and teach people about scalar waves. But where the heck did he get this from? From a clairvoyant who developed our pyramid to do the same thing that you're just talking about. Only you don't need a pyramid now. You can access your higher consciousness uh, through your heart chakra because that's what, if you look at the Marys, they always wore a diamond over their, their heart chakra. The bottom part of the diamond's a cup. The top part of the diamond's a sword. They would learn how to spin their heart chakra and create emerald green fire and go out and fill a whole room with that frequency, and they could bring peace to an area. We can do the same thing. That's what being trained as a Mary, that's why I created the Sisterhood of the Emerald Fire, which is a church that tries to teach women how to do that. Sounds wonderful. You've been to a lot of places, haven't you, already? Well, I have a job to do, and unfortunately, it's time, with especially with what's happened with this planet, with the oil spill, with everything else, one of the ways we can save this planet is by doing or learning how to do this. Instead of saying we're trapped, we can actually use the God-given love energy that is created through our Creator, and we've been given the instrument to do that with our brain and our body and our heart. I feel, I really feel that way, and that was how the Marys were trained to uh, heal. Uh, my father actually was a medical doctor. I don't have the ability but when I wanted to build the pyramid, he was always afraid that we were going to be thrown in the loony bin. And he took me in his office one time, and he said, Mary, you know what I can do. Well, when I injured my cat or when I injured my kids, I would take them in. Now, he could actually see the aura, change the frequency by creating a, vort a slight vortex, change the frequency within that vortex. And he didn't like giving drugs, so he took sugar bills and made a homeopathic remedy out of them. And one time my husband was in this office and, and a lady came in and says, Doc, I want the yellow pills instead of the pink pills. And he just hit Dean and said, hey, they're sugar pills anyway. But he would put his own love frequency in them. And you, 
he could actually sit there. And when he died, and people would see me, oh, you're Doc Mahan's daughter. Uh, if I could only go talk to your dad, my whole world would be better. Well, sure he did. He he could actually do that. And and when we wanted to build a pyramid, he took me in his office and he says, I never said this to any people, but Mary, you know what I can do. And if you build a pyramid and you demonstrate this knowledge, you'll be thrown in the loony bed. And that was his concern. And fortunately, the men in my family have that ability. That's great. To see. That is my understanding, and I'm sure the Native American shamans could do the same thing. What did your mom think of your gifts? My mom died before any of this. My mom died in what year? 59, I think. My mother died in 1959. And we didn't get started in any of this until we got picked up in 68. I think she was aware of what my dad did, but she was a scared, very frightened of it and uh, never allowed any of it to be dem- talked about. Uh, fortunately, as I said, I when, an example, when my uh, older, older son Mark fell off slide, uh, he fell and landed on his arms and fell over. And I took him into my dad, and he sent me up to have him x-rayed. Well, they x-rayed his whole body, but they didn't x-ray his wrists. And Grandpa came up and put Mark on his lap. Mark was only five years old. And he said, well, Doc, we can't find any broken bones anywhere. And he just looked at him and said, look at here. This wrist broken, that wrist broken, because he could see it. They x-rayed his whole body, but they didn't x-ray his wrists. So they were going to send a kid home with four broken bones. Both wrist bones and his wrists were broken. And he just put Mark on his on his lap when he got there. Mark immediately went to sleep because he took the pain away. And he said that these bones are broken. That is the way my father functioned. And the park in Allegan, Michigan is named after him because... He had that ability, and people really didn't understand that ability, but he had that ability. How exciting to have a father that was that tuned in. Well, I think he he's part of the reason why we have the pyramid today. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about? How much more time do we have? We have about 15 minutes. Well, what would you like me to talk about? Well, I'd like to ask you your take on the crop circles. A lot of people are fascinated with them. People visit them from all over the world, go to Stonehenge, and I'd like you to share a little bit about your perspective on them. Well, according to Kenneth Killick, the first thing I learned about Stonehenge, it was the main control pattern. When the planet went out of orbit after we destroyed Atlantis, uh, there was a split, and the Atlantic Ocean was opened up, and Africa was connected to South America and North America was connected to Europe, so we cracked the earth. And the Great Pyramid had to be built as a sword uh, to move the planet back into a stable and balance, and that is in my book. That was the sword. The cup was Avery in England. And you have two conical pyramids, which are older than the Great Pyramid, built. They have Merlin's Mound, which is in the Mulberry, where the school that Kate, who just married uh, the 
Prince of England. She Prince went William. to school there in Marlborough. And then you've got Silbury Hill, which is just off. Those are two, two Ford text generating antennas. Uh, and then the control panel for this is Stonehenge. And when they first, when somebody first put a computer analysis on Stonehenge, they realized that it marked when the sun came up, when the moon came up, it was like a calendar. Well, the thing with Stonehenge is if the planet ever got a little bit out of orbit, like a trim tab on an airplane, they could put the Ark of the Covenant up on top of the Saracen stones and actually tweak the uh, way the planet was would, so it wouldn't go out of orbit. And for a long time, it was a marker to, to make a check on, is the planet getting out of orbit? Because that way the moon, the sun the whole history of, of those times would be changed. So that is a marker, but it also is a control panel. Now, when you mess up the grid, uh, they put a vortex-generating field around the plains of Salbury, basically around Avery, and in that area, to retune that grid line to be back into balance. And that's why the crop circles are created. And in 2006, the Templars asked me to go to the plains of Salbury because um, the British government wanted to prove that these were not spiritual and made by extraterrestrials or made by whoever makes them. And you see, they can be made by a group. They can be made by extraterrestrials. They can be made made by Templars. They can be made by fairies and divas. It's all the dimensionals, the same ones that I work with that make up. It isn't just one group. And so they went to the plains. I went out to the plains of Salbury. And um, the thing that was happening is through some kind of antenna system like HARP or maybe even ELF, ground to earth, they the minute that a vortex was generated out in that field, they put a multi-dimensional laser beam on that and stopped the crop circles from being made. So you didn't have any crop circles being made during April and May, and it was well into June. I was asked by the Templars to go to the plains of Salbury. We activated the two Merlin's Mounds and Silbury Hill back in time, and we made a whole mirror out of the plains of Salbury, which are basically chalk. And we electromagnetically uh, held it up so that any time that they wanted to make an interdimensional, I mean, every time a vortex was generated, the best way to destroy a laser is to hold a mirror up. So all intent is 95% of what we're doing. And so this is what we asked the dimensionals to do. And... After we did that, I went to the dowsers and we created the Holy Grail vortex around a labyrinth. And after that, you started. We started to begin to get one or two, but after that, then all of the crop circles, because there was a large number of people that desired this. Uh, there was a, a large. The crop circles begin to come back in because we asked that they not be taken away, and because of that. 
in 2009, in April, when all the schools around here were being closed down because they were touting about a pandemic, I went and created the Holy Grail Vortex in Michigan and asked that any time that they put in a frequency through the grid that would try to create the pandemic, that that by a crop circle being created along the main control panel in Britain, be changed to run through the whole grid pattern of of the world by the fairies and divas and by whoever wanted to help, that that crop circle would be created to change the frequency of the pandemic to something that would benefit mankind instead of harm mankind. And you know what? They really haven't been able to create a pandemic since I did that. When I went over there in 2009, I went to the Crop Circle Convention, and I went out to, there's a place between Marlboro and Silbury Hill called, I think it's called the Citadel or the, the Citadel or the Cathedral. I don't know what it is. I get names all mixed up, but it's a circular pattern that used to be a place where they directed the, lay, the energy patterns from from West Kennet, from West Kennet was a barrel coming off was where where they could make a scalar wave along the ground, and they could shoot it at that. And it was a circular uh, um, where they had a lot of mirrors, and they could direct the energy down the ley lines to move the blocks to create Stonehenge. And that's partly how they moved the blocks for Avery, and they moved the blocks for Stonehenge, and that's how they did it. And you see, they used. The two big conical generators, uh, Merlin's Mound, which is in Marlboro, which is where Kate went to school. It's right there on the, on the grounds where where Kate went to school. And then you got Silbury Hill and West Kennet Borough is between that. And then they could beam that energy down to to uh, this circular mirror thing, and they could direct the energy anywhere they wanted to. And that's how they move the blocks. That I know from memory. I've been there, and that's when I went there. We activated the whole system, made the plains of Solberry into a mirror so that any time that they tried to shut down any of the crop circles, we just held it up, and and they were destroyed so the crop circle makers could continue to use their vortex energy. It's all done in seconds. It doesn't take hours or minutes. It's all done in seconds. So that way, they could not use their interdimensional weaponry off off a harp or whatever they were using to stop the crop circles from being made. And at that time, in all the newspapers, they were having people go out and making advertisements in the crops to prove that crop circles were a hoax because they thought they could shut them down and then the ones that were being made were advertisements for restaurants and for automobiles and for whatnot. I don't know. I imagine there were other other entities doing the same thing I do, but that's what I did. And then in 2009, when I went over there, I created a vortex at Brighton, a vortex at, at uh, the Tor in Glastonbury, and then I mentally went up to, in the movie, uh, Rosalind Chapel, because you can create them by by mentally doing it and making a triangle around that whole area to protect it so that they could not create a pandemic. 
that anything that when they tried to do it, it could be for the betterment of mankind instead of the harming of mankind. But as long as they, my grandkids were in school here and they were creating this nonsense and shutting down all these schools, I just said, you're not going to do that. You certainly have great confidence, not only in this process, but in your intent. It sounds like you come from that your intent and the process of what you're doing will stick, will stay, will be. When I started doing this stuff, I asked Kenneth Killick, I said, how do I know that I'm doing something? And it says, by their works, you shall know them. But how do you know it's not being nullified? How do you know for sure that your work out there is not being nullified? It can be nullified by breaking a law. Uh, you have to you have to go by what the, the order of Melchizedek said to us: "My perfect love for you, my creation, is your perfect freedom." You start doing this stuff when you don't have permission, and you suddenly don't have the right to do it anymore. So, how do you know if you have permission? You ask, and I guess I get a sense that I can do it. I ask. Can I do it? And I either get, some people would take a pendulum and say yes or no. I just rub my hands on the side of my pants and say, it's just the same as a pendulum. But I also hear a clear answer in my head. Okay, so that's the process by which you get your direction. Yeah. You had spent time in the pyramid, the actual pyramid in Egypt, correct? I have been to the Great Pyramid, yes. What do you think is the greatest contribution of the Pyramid of Egypt? We have to go back to why it was built. After we cracked the earth, this is from Kenneth Killick, and if you look in my book, you'll find how it was used to do it. Uh, After we cracked the earth, the earth was wobbling, and it was changing the direction and would have eventually wobbled out of its orbit. So it was necessary to stabilize it. Now, you have to remember, this is all from Kenneth, that the Bermuda Triangle was the North Pole, and the Devil's Triangle over by uh, Australia was the South Pole. When we cracked the Earth, those two poles became 120 degrees apart. From going around the other side of it, it's 240 degrees. So if you look at where the Great Pyramid is, it's 120 degrees to the Great Pyramid on the axis, 120 degrees to the Devil's Triangle, or one off, uh, so you go from Bermuda to the pyramid, it's 120 degrees. From the pyramid to Australia's uh, Devil's Triangle off, in, off of Australia, that's 120 degrees. To come back around to Bermuda again is 120 degrees. So it's a little bit like putting a wheel, you know, when, you're, when you go down the road and your tire wobbles, you put wheel weights on it, right? Right. Great Pyramid is a wheel weight, and to balance out the actual spin of the planet so it doesn't wobble, okay? Then it had to be put back into a balanced orbit. And uh, if you look in the book, the Ark of the Covenant could be made like a Tesla coil. Right. And if you, when I went to the Great Pyramid the first time, There were burn marks all over the side where it had arced off when they were moving it. And if you see, the cart marks are still in the Grand Gallery. 
Now, you, you're moving the Ark of the Covenant all set up, moving it up the Grand Gallery, and slowly you can tip that. And as you tipped it, because the ley lines and everything are all connected, you're slowly balancing the pyramid as an antenna system back into a stable orbit. That's why the Great Pyramid was built. I think we will be fascinated with the pyramids forever. I think we will be, too. <laughs> and, but then the pyramids, uh, Tesla came along and gave us the same technology as the pyramid. And uh, a lot of his work was based on the same technology as the pyramid. But it's all based on scalar or vortex energy. Unfortunately, just like a lot of other things, an electrician really couldn't deal with understanding how electricity works because he was never given the math of of uh, vortex energy, and that's where Bearden came in with giving us the math of, of vortex energy. But he, sto- he stole it, I will say. He learned it from Kenneth Killick, and Kenneth was the designer of our pyramid. So it's a small world. It is a small world indeed. What was one of your favorite countries that you traveled to? I will always love France. Uh, where I went to France, I know that I had been a Cathar in a previous lifetime, and uh, I actually felt at home there. Absolutely. Beautiful, beautiful place. <laughs> yes, it is. It sounds like you've been all over France, too. Well, it was necessary for me to go to a lot of the cathedrals and and go in them and recode them. I went to Armin, I went to, I don't say these words right, I went to uh, a lot of them. Uh, and after I recoded a few of them, all I had to do was just stand in the middle of like Chart and say I want them all recoded in a balanced frequency. And, and But I had, for some reason, I guess, we have to have, they had to use my eyes, so I generated the vortexes so that they could do that. Absolutely. One of my favorite cities is Barcelona. I love Barcelona. I've never been, but I hear it's wonderful. Barcelona uh, is where Mount Surat is. And Mount Surat's where the Templars took the Ark of the Covenant and used the caves in, uh, there to re-engineer the planet, the planet so that they could have control of the grid. And... Uh, another place is Mount Bucharest, where they actually created a 12-dimensional stargate so that mankind could walk the labyrinth at, at, at Chartres or any of the cathedrals and uh, then imagine themselves to go to Jerusalem through the 12-dimensional stargate at Mount Bucharest. Can you explain what a stargate is? I, I don't think a lot of listeners will know what that is. The way I understand it is a standing counter wave. And if you allow yourself to go into frequency, into the zero-point energy of a, a, you know, a hurricane or a tornado has zero energy in it, you, you get yourself wound up so that you can transcend yourself to or transmute yourself to one of these stargates. Then you go to zero-point energy. And I don't understand zero-point energy, but it's, it's another buzzword that's out there then you can can just go anywhere you want to 
you go you can rise up through the dimensions just like wherever you have you see it's a little bit like you are a tuning fork and through love through your heart chakra you can tune yourself to be full of love now you don't have to believe in anything you don't have to do you have to be a servant you have to demonstrate love and it is by the tuning fork from your zero point energy of your own heart that you can travel these different frequencies and that's why the oils are so important because you can go into your frontal lobes get into your glia brain and actually start raising the frequency within your whole electromagnetic field but if you're going to fall back into anger hate jealousy you can't develop these frequencies so you're stuck and actually you know you have the four horsemen in the bible in revelation if you ride the white horse you enter the base chakra and go right up to the crown and you transcend time space energy and matter if you ride the red horse you get trapped in the second chakra of anger and that's as far as you go if you ride the black horse you get trapped and it says in the bible do i have enough food to feed my family do i have enough money to do this or whatever they say but if you ride the black horse then you get trapped in the third chakra of fear behold the pale horse because you can't go past the heart chakra if you don't develop the frequencies of the heart that's how i interpret i i love revelations that's how i interpret revelations uh it's a handbook to teach you about a lot of this stuff and and you see we live in the third dimension which is everything in octaves you have seven colors in the rainbow you have seven uh in the you have seven tones in the octave you have seven um everything's in seven okay you have seven notes in a chord uh it says brother john says you have to go to the system of 12 and that's why uh we talk about having a seventh dimensional or 12 dimensional stargate you actually can transform your body into from the seven which is the third dimension into a different dimension of 12 and then you can go through the gates I don't know if that makes any sense to you but I don't know that I totally got that part. I don't know if the audience got that part, but it's a real pleasure to listen to you and to hear you share your experience in your life. Well, at the end of of Revelations, he talks about the system of 7 to the system of 12. And then he mentions 12 stones that will help you, 12 different types of stones that will help you resonate to the different uh but we always talk about a 12th dimensional stargate and we have to change the vortexes on the planet from a system of seven to a system of 12 if we want to see mother earth graduate the only way that that can be done is through raising your own frequency through your heart chakra do you think that revelation is going to happen let me put it this way you are a being of light and it is up to you whether you wish to graduate or not what is given to me is who am i what am i as i am i am not but as we are i am 
and to you, my creation, my perfect love is your perfect freedom. And I will be with you forever and ever until the end and then forevermore. The problem is, is you cannot go anywhere until you graduate yourself. The planet may disappear and your soul won't disappear. You'll just go to another school and you'll go to 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 school until you decide the school is, is done and you want to graduate. And the only way you can graduate is to raise the frequency in your own heart chakra to become part of the answer and to do the best you can and to raise your frequency up so that you can go through the 12th dimensional stargate into where the masters live and to where you can communicate. I will be with you forever and ever until the end. They'll be here to teach us until the end. And then after we graduate, we will be aware of being with them forever. Does that make sense? It makes sense. And it is a divine pleasure to have you on the show today, ladies and gentlemen. We have been talking with, learning from, and listening to Reverend Mary Hardy, the author of The Alchemist Handbook to Homeopathy and Pyramid Energy, The Philosophy of God, The Science of Man. She is a doctor of homeopathy and also has a BA in education from Western Michigan University. She's also a writer, teacher, and herbalist, and a servant in the process of bringing a new consciousness to the planet. She is the founder of Temple of Saqqara. Thank you so much for being with us, Reverend Mary. Well, thank you for asking me to be with you. It was a pleasure. God bless you. God bless you, too. Thank you.